Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me today is the human embodiment of undead revenge, Mars! <laughs> Hello! That was a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, I feel like I got there. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. So today we're going to be reviewing a little movie called The Dark, um, and it is a movie that makes you question... Who is the real monster? Who is it really? <laughs> or is there a little monster in us all? I mean, you create the monster, you you pay your price, right? I have lots of thoughts about this, so okay, we'll go. get there. <laughs> good, good, good. All right, well, before we get there, Mars, can you do me a solid and remind the listeners of our spoiler policy? Our spoiler policy is that we're going to spoil the entire thing from beginning to end. So if you are coming into this not having watched the movie... And you would like to, before we tell you how it ends, go watch it. If you don't care, stick around. I'm 50-50. Like, I, oh, I, think, okay. I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if it was spoiled before you watched it. You should still watch it for the atmosphere. But I think watch it. I think watch it. If yeah. you haven't seen it, watch it. I mean, it's the kind of moody horror movie that I like. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, was, I kind of feel like you picked this one for me. <laughs> Atmosphere game was solid. 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 I actually, yeah. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. yeah. So if we're deciding, like, do you like slower paced, moody, kind of bittersweet horror, then you should definitely go watch yeah. this. Mm-hmm. If you just saw the picture and you thought it was going to be some, like, goofy monster movie... Prepare to be surprised, because that is not the kind of movie this is. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, what have you been up to, Marzi? Uh, not a whole lot. Started a, a job where I'm kind of a spy. <laughs> a I know. Bit. The power in your hands. Will you use it for good or evil, or just making sure people get their packages? I making don't know! Sure people get their gym equipment. Yeah, in Mogadishu. Yeah. That is wild. You yeah. really are a spy. You are our very own Tom Clancy. I'm, I'm going to so get excited. real good at globes. At reading globes. I'm going to get good at it. I mean, you were kind of born to be a spy with a name like Aaron Mars. Yeah. You know, I really feel like I haven't uh, lived up to the, the name that I was given. And I think right. this is my chance. Yeah. It's all been leading. All these skill sets that you've been picking up is all been leading to this moment. <laughs> yep. All of your, like, tactical sporks and, like, hunting my obsession with or whatever you have. Yes, and you're prepared to like make it through the Arctic on a like a Diderod situation. You are set. Yeah, I know all the pieces of my destiny are coming together. Yes, yes. In the shipping and logistics industry. Who'd <laughs> 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 have known? And Unrelated, did you know there's a theory that the Roanoke colony disappeared because of an isolated zombie attack? <laughs> no, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a very solidly supported theory, but there is, oh my gosh, I can't think of what they're called. There's a guy who's actual, like, you know how there's, like, Egyptologists, people who study Egypt or whatever? Yeah. There's some. There's someone who is actually, it was this YouTube channel I was watching um, that talks about, like, unsolved mysteries and happenings and stuff, and they're talking about the Roanoke colony, but anyway... They were citing a guy whose actual title was something about the, that involved the study of zombies. Oh. I'm sure it was made up. Like, I'm sure the guy made it up, you know, like, yeah. he was like, I'm a zombieologist or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, it, it stems from someone, an actual historian saying that there's evidence of cannibalism 
And so, of course, like... Yeah, I think that might just be hungry people. Yeah, and so, of course, it spawned into people who believe in zombies being like, oh, it was definitely... And because Roanoke's an island, you know, Mm. they were like, it just didn't spread or whatever. And all I could think was like, okay, but we all know zombies can cross small bodies of water. We know this. This is not... You know, because it's an island just right off the coast. It's not like like Hawaii, where it'd have to, like, take a while to get to a a larger landmass. But... yeah. So I think they could have made it. If they're zombies, I think they would have made it to the to the mainland, America. Yeah. Unclear, unclear. Yeah. I mean, it depends on if you get into the like the the Romero zombie versus the like, oh. World War Z zombie. True. Wow, we are having a conversation that is directly lifted from two thousand five. Um, <laughs> so, but it's actually kind of an excellent segue for a story that I wanted to talk to you about today. Ooh, perfect. They say, I don't know if you've seen this news story, but I'm just going to read you the headline. Okay, and it's. Virginia related, ironically. Oh. All right. <clears throat> From the Washington Post. Someone left old TVs outside 50 homes in Virginia while wearing a TV on his head. No one knows why. <laughs> so earlier this week, <laughs> some people awoke in this town in Virginia to discover old TVs sitting on their porches. In an entire neighborhood. Nobody knows where they came from. Nobody knows why. But we live in an era where we are all on camera all the time. So people went to, like, their rings and their different uh, security footage, different apparatuses, to see what might have happened. And they discovered footage of a gentleman walking around placing TVs on people's porches while wearing an actual TV on his head. Okay, well, you know you know what that was, right? What that was, was the await further instructions. Oh, the beginning of a wait. You're so right. This is how it begins. Yeah. Yeah. Only hopefully. You solved it, Mars. Yeah. Oh, that's two in the row because the, the, yes. there's another one where I was like, oh, it's Thor. obviously Thor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. You're right. No one bring that TV into your house. I know. That's how a wait for their instructions started is that whole neighborhood was like, huh. Someone's leaving free TVs. It must be the government. I'll just take this inside and watch it. And then, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the holiday was happens and everybody is licorice monsters. Oh, no. Okay, well, I sent you a link to the story and I will put it in the show notes for other people. And you can see there's a video, but you can also just look at the still and see some of the footage of oh, creepy. the head guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, dude is creepy. <laughs> I think it would be, it wouldn't, it's one of those things where, like, if if this happened to you and you looked at your footage and you saw this happen, it would become infinitely worse to know the answer of how that TV ended up on your on your porch than before when it was like, oh, right? mysterious TV. And then you see a dude wearing a TV or who just has a TV head, we don't know, leaving his children on your porch and you're just, that's terrifying. That's just so the, creepy. The number of things that we have learned as people since this technology pol- proliferated across these United States of ours, all the weird shit that's happening on our porches. Yeah. Like if you think about TV head guy, Fresno night, night walkers, oh, God. night crawlers. And then there was that one dude that was like licking a door, like a doorbell for 10 minutes. Yeah. You saw that, right? No, I actually didn't oh, see that one. Oh, dude. Like these ring photos of just like all the weird things people find. Oh my god, there's more than one doorbell liquor. No! I think, what I think is really 
really great about it is that you know that people didn't just recently become this weird. Right. People have been this weird since the dawn of man. It's just we're just now seeing it. It's just now we know. I just love to imagine, like, weird-ass pilgrims, you know? Like, (laughs) just, like, Like knights in shining armor who are just, like, licking people's doorknobs. Because they didn't Ugh. have doorbells. You know, like, I just love to imagine, like, people who are, you know, like, like those monks that would draw cats licking their own buttholes and Bibles oh and stuff, God. you know? <laughs> so, speaking of weirdos, I don't know, this that's one of my worst segues ever. Um, You picked this movie for this episode, The Dark. Tell me how and why you, this came to be your pick. Uh, I picked it because I think it was just, you know, it sounded interesting. I think because the, uh, the description said something about a girl who haunts the woods where she was murdered and mm. something about it not explicitly saying like a zombie girl and yet saying yeah. a girl who haunts you know i don't know it just there was enough there that i was interested the cover is interesting and then when i found out you hadn't seen it i of course have to you know capitalize on that when i finally <laughs> find something that you haven't seen so and i we've been on a streak lately yeah. watching stuff you haven't seen i know it's been kind of fun it's it's like forcing me to break out and watch different things you know what i mean like i don't know that i ever would have watched this movie because i the picture the art for this does not look like something i would be into but i'm also like i mean not that i'm not into it but it's not something that i would be drawn to i guess is a better way of putting it so like you, which is kind of the whole force- point of yeah. this podcast is to get people you know and ourselves to watch things that maybe we wouldn't normally have have watched on yeah. our own. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to open my second truly, so po- hold for can sound. Okay. All right, can sound completed. So a little bit about this movie. It is from 2018. It is directed by first-time feature film director Justin P. Lang. I noticed that. I actually did a little bit of research. I oh. don't normally do any research at I all was on a, i was on a, another podcast where they do like a whole production section and i was like god i should do more of that <laughs> <laughs> i mean at least you do any i yeah. usually just show up i'm like i watched it and i'm i'm here now but yeah so okay so you did research i was quite surprised by that information i was too when i found out that because i looked at his imdb and there's just like you know little things short films commercials stuff like that and it was such a good i mean i have some things about this movie that are not my favorite but overall for it being a first feature film holy cow yeah like we not this last not the box the box had lots of style we had other issues with it but the previous two movies that we reviewed we like one of the criticisms we had about this movie was that it didn't seem to have any sort of like directorial voice to it like there was Mm -hmm. no visual voice and i actually thought this one was very different in that regard. Yeah. Which is always something cool to see with a first time, like, I mean, he didn't shorts before, but like a first feature director to see that he already has somewhat of a voice is always pretty impressive. And yeah. the performances that he's able to get out of kid actors. <gasps> I know. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I'm yeah, so yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. So, um, tell me about this movie. Um, are is are we going into synopsis? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was purposely big because you said you had done research, and I didn't want to just skip over oh. any research you wanted to put in. I mean, I did like five cursory moments of research. It was. It's just that it was more than what I normally do. Okay. 
Okay, fair enough. But then let's get into the synopsis. Normally, the most research I do is being like, did you know the Netflix tag on this was Horror Beach Party? (laughs) That's usually it. So I did I did five more minutes than normal. Nice, nice. This is like, you know, when you do group projects and you're like, well, Rachel will do all the work. I'll just show up to the presentation. That's a sentiment, you know, like. Except for the part I want to do least is the actual presenting. So that is a perfect couple oh. dynamic for me. Because I don't want to do the research. So. Oh, oh, my God. We're meant to be. I know. <laughs> Yin and Yang podcasters, if ever there was one. Right. <laughs> all right, cool. So tell me about this here movie. So this movie, uh, first of all, if if you haven't watched it and you don't mind being spoiled, the atmosphere starts off right at the beginning. Yeah. That I loved it. There's like those long stretches of silence yeah. and just it's so moody and it's so well maintained throughout the entire film. But we start out with this like just empty shot of the road, right? Mm-hmm. And then this car kind of, you know, anyway, it was just a really nice, really long yeah. kind of quiet set the stage for the rest of the movie but we start off by meeting yosef who stops into a gas station to buy cereal and a map or you know a corner it's a store of some sort i don't know if a gas station but whatever anyway retreated to our first bit of plot that doesn't ever really pan out to be anything um i had some thought about i think i understand what this is about okay um, but what happens is he's buying a map and the shopkeeper immediately is like, this is where you want to go. And he circles devil's den on the map, which I just want to interject that pen sound of him circling devil's den. Uh-huh. Oh, it was a beautiful sound design moment. Ooh, I really loved it. The sound design in this, depending on how far eating noises go for you <laughs> is actually like somebody put some time into the full yeah. work on this this bad boy someone was very detailed yeah i appreciate it <laughs> that was good nice but the shopkeeper goes into that kind of rant that you see in a lot of movies where it's just like all you city folk come out here to to walk through our scary woods because your your city life's not exciting enough for you and yeah. i'm not going out in those woods and he's very disdainful about the whole thing he's the harbinger right like what we learned from cabin in the woods he's like the, <laughs> the creepy local yeah yeah except for he doesn't last much longer because then the Dude. tv shows a news report where that identifies yosef as this man who's wanted by the police and he's armed and dangerous and so yosef shoots the shopkeeper and leaves and forgets the map drives away i love this opening scene sorry i don't mean to already cut in but Mm -mm. i love this opening scene because i you don't know what the guy is running from yeah it's unclear if he is um a victim he's trying to escape if he's committed a crime and is on the run like it's very mysterious um and so and it sets you up to thinking it's one type of thing with like i said like the harbinger like you think oh like this is like, you think the power dynamic is one direction, and then it flips, and he, when he shoots him, and you're like, oh, no, he's not, like, the guy on the run. He's Anton Sugar. Like, yeah, because he-, <laughs> he starts out seeming, like, jumpy and scared and, like, panicked, and so right. you think, like, oh, he's been wrongfully accused or something, yes. right? And then he just whips out a gun and shoots a dude over very little provocation, right? Yes, he could have probably left. Blooded. Yes. Yeah. He probably could have left. He could have knocked the guy out. Like, it seemed like it would have gone somewhere else and just so quickly went to murder. And it was, it's a cool flip. Yeah, it's actually I think a really it was, good opening scene. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then when he's driving away and he's, again, seems panicked and jumpy and he's, like, cursing himself for forgetting the map. Yeah. You know, and, like, when he pulls over and he's just so 
he's scared it seems like it seems like he's scared and he's praying and he's you know just so he's he doesn't have that air of like oh i'm killing people to get means to my ends you know he's just like it's like it does feel like he's running from something yeah and it's at that moment that he leans i did like how they revealed the devil dens the devil's den yes 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 yes, yes. how he's like leaning forward against his his steering wheel and praying and he's so upset that he forgot the map and he's not going to be able to find devil's den and then he leans back and there's the sign and uh i thought that was there were a couple really cool reveal moments in this movie and Mm -hmm. that was the first one and i i did like that it was pretty cool yes um so he takes the road to devil's den and gets a flat tire and he pulls a caltrop out of his tire so it's not like oh bit of garbage or like yeah particularly large rock or something Mm -hmm. like this is something that was manufactured and placed here for a reason ominous yeah yeah Mm -hmm. takes it out continues driving comes across like an abandoned house right so he gets out goes into inspect this house and finds a room that's certainly not abandoned it's definitely lived in and it's got you know scary drawings on the wall and stuff like that he has an altercation with a with a wall person i know how much you love people hiding in walls (laughs) i do like that that through this whole like it extends the mystery a little bit like his lack of reaction to seeing the room makes you wonder like oh is this his childhood home like you still don't know what's happening or did he come to this house to see the person who lives here because he sits down on the bed just like okay all right, taking a breather, taking a moment. Today's been stressful. Yeah. You know, he's not at all alarmed by, oh, someone lives here. Yeah. He's just kind of, all right. Um, anyway, yeah, he has a shootout with a person in the wall who comes at him with an axe. Yeah. Makes it out of the house, kind of. And then I this mean, part he does. immediately made me think of you. Yeah. <laughs> Soft tissue Ugh. damage. Soft tissue <laughs> foot damage. <laughs> I mean, at least we didn't see it. At least we yeah. didn't see the foot. So he makes it out of the house. He steps on the nail. And this was the second kind of cool reveal I really liked, where he's on the ground, you know, obviously upset about his fresh wound, and we see the figure step out in front of the the window, and she's backlit. You know, I thought that was a really cool moment. Anyway, Yosef kind of runs out into the woods, stumbles out into the woods, has a moment where he thinks he's safe, realizes he's not, and gets murdered. And this is where we see Mina for the first time. Mm -hmm. And she's a zombie. She's got all black eyes and is covered in unhealed wounds, and yet that doesn't, it's not slowing her down at all. And she eats Yosef. I thought this was a cool moment, too, because it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, and all the burping. Oh, God. All the burping from, and I love that there was was just just a hint of intestine, you know? Like, it's just like in the background, (laughs) there's just a little, little bit of intestine invisible. A whisper. Just just a whisper of intestine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, this was the first time of many times in the movie where Rachie had to go straight to subtitles muted. Because <laughs> my misophonia, did you not like it? The, I have misophonia, so this is like oh. my nightmare movie in that respect. <laughs> so there were just a couple times, like later, there's some soup eating that happens that is very troubling, and I just I hit the old mute, and it, like the, the closed captions were like slurping, slurping, Ugh. slurping. I was like. See, <laughs> and I was correct. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, so I did like the way that visually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely. comment. I because usually with these kinds of things, it's like look at all the guts, look at all the intestines, look at yeah. all the blood. And I, I mean, there were intestines and there were blood, and there were blood. 
There were blood. That's the they, sequel. There were there were <laughs> there were be bloods. Yeah. That's the you know how they make those like off like you know how there was like the B movie and then they oh, made like the Plan B. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's yes, like yes. the mockbuster of there will be blood. It's there were be bloods. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I have I'm only at the very beginning of my second truly. I shouldn't be saying things I'm like that. I'm only there halfway through blood. my cider. What's going on? It's gonna be Friday. a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So she eats him and goes back to the car and she's kind of rifling through and she tries a handful of cereal, which, you know, true to zombie form, she can't eat and she spits it out. And that's when we meet Alex, who That's quite a reveal as well. Yeah. Because at this point we have no idea that kid is in the backseat. Right. Right. I mean, like, we know there's going to be a boy. We know she's going to find a boy because of the the description on Amazon of the movie. But- well, where is boy up until this point? And right. then he kind of sits up and is just like, Yosef? You know, and it, the girl, Mina, jumps out of the car, rushes into the back, and starts trying to unbury him from the sleeping bag. Yeah. And that's also where we learn that Alex has Stockholm Syndrome because oh, he starts yes. saying things like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I love, I love you. you. I, yeah. I promise I stayed in the blanket. I promise I was quiet, you know. And uh, we see... This is when we also find out that Alex has no eyeballs no. and they've been burned out, which has made me made me realize that in the beginning, in the scene where Yosef's in the store and he puts his hand on the map, that there was that there was a scar on the back of his hand that looks oh. like Alex's eyes. The I was time, wondering because like I actually rewound it. And I couldn't figure out what the deal was. Yeah, I, I was counting his fingers. Like, I did it, too. <laughs> and I was looking. I was like, the thing is, is. Knowing now, seeing the scars on Alex's eyes, yeah. I can now see the scar on Yosef's hand. But the first time after, you know, having not seen Alex's eyes, it really just looked like elderly person hand skin. You know, it yeah. didn't. So, it, and I did, it did look like maybe there's a little bit something extra there, but it didn't look like, you know, it didn't the, stick out enough to be like, oh, he's got a scar. Cue, it was another one of those situations where you and I are like trying to figure out why it has this like music cue. Yeah. This is a running situation for us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think this is the first time where both of us were stumped by it. Normally, at least one of us can be right. like, yeah, but I figured out that it's this. And this yeah. time we're both like, I'm pretty certain that it was supposed to be a scar. <laughs> yeah. It would make sense. I'm going to go was. with it. I accept. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. So um, he has no eyes. And he's talking to Mina as if she's Yosef because he hasn't figured it out yet. And then yeah. he tries to touch her face and she, like, she makes a sound. Excuse me, more chess ghosts. <laughs> Whew. Demons be out. Uh, <laughs> so he finds out that it's not Yosef, it's Mina. Right. And they have a moment and he pees himself. Yeah. And Mina, you know, this is kind of one of those first moments where we see her do something that's human. Up right. until then, it's just been hiding and growling and eating people and climbing trees way too fast. Yes. And she goes into the house. She takes Alex's pants, goes in the house, leaves them in the tub, brings him new pants. Or yes. no, she doesn't take the pants. Anyway, whatever. She brings him new pants. Yeah. The point is she's, like, treating someone. Treat, like, we know that she's not just, like, some mindless eating machine. Like, she has yeah. someone that is capable of compassion. Like, she, it wasn't just that she understood the situation, but she actually exhibited compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he's saying he's, he asks her to turn around while he changes or whatever. And um, this is when we get her first flashback into her, her background. And we see her as a not zombie girl listening to... A song that I'm, I'm assuming this is the song that Alex keeps humming 
throughout the movie. Mm, I wondered. I, you can't really tell. Yeah, it no. doesn't really sound like it. I I think that's what it is because she has a few moments where she's like, "How does he know that song? Like, how is you know?" Or it's just based on the look on her face. I don't yeah. know. This is me. This was one of those things where I couldn't tell if I was putting too much into a moment or not, or right. if it was not. Or if it was supposed to be a moment and it just if wasn't. If it was just, like, hearing music when she hadn't heard in a long time kind yeah. of thing. It could, yeah. I mean, I think you could really choose your own adventure on that one. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. It's not super significant, I don't think. I mean, I think the message of being this kid's humming and she's intrigued by it is there. But as yeah. far as whether or not it's the song yeah. that she was listening to. But she's, you know, an amazing artist. She's listening to this song. She hears a thump, so she takes her headphones off and goes downstairs and finds her mom, who's drunk with her boyfriend, and her mom's not very nice to her, and Ew. they have an exchange where Mina says, you know, I thought he wasn't going to, I thought he wasn't coming back. You know, I thought he wasn't going to be here anymore, and it's not great. She runs back upstairs, puts her music back on, and starts just furiously drawing, and this was the first mislead for me, yeah. and not, I think, an intentional miss. I mean, maybe it was, but I don't really know what the point would be if it was intentional, where I was like, oh, this is definitely demon possession, right? Because right. she starts hearing that, like, rattling demon breath sound yeah and it starts to like it seems like i mean maybe it's emotionally being over but she's you know holding the headphones over her ears and she's getting really emotionally distraught and then when she opens her eyes again sees that she's very quickly made this intensely dark charcoal drawing of a right. woman screaming and she's got all these like you know they're not really slash marks, just like effect marks across the side of her face that mina will later have all of her major head injuries on yeah. mm -hmm. and you know and she's alarmed by her own drawing as if she was you know having an out-of-body experience while it happened and doesn't really remember having drawn it and the, the really thought of this world between what is metaphorical and what is like physical like corporeal in this this movie is very like wavy like some yeah. you know what i mean like it's very like a lot of this works on a metaphor level but then sometimes like you're meant to interpret it like it's something like it's the actual rules of the universe it's very hand wavy and muddy but like and i think this is one of those cases like i think they pepper in things like the stuff at the gas station um about devil's kettle being um uh, Devil's cursed. Den. Devil's Den. Sorry. Did Devil's you just watch Fr Jennifer's body? Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. did. I didn't, but you're totally right. Now, as soon as you say that, I can picture the like whirlpool thing is the Devil's Kettle, isn't it? Yeah, I actually just watched Jennifer's body like two days ago. I so. love that movie. I love that movie. It's such an underrated movie. It is totally underrated. Oh my God. People shit on that movie, and I feel like they've just never seen it. And they're like, ow. What's her name? Devil Something Cody. other. Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Megan Fox. Megan yeah. Fox, and we're like, eh, Megan Fox. And yeah. Like, you gotta see it. Megan Fox kills it in this movie. That movie is so good. I don't I care what that anybody movie. says. Um, but yeah, so, like, I think that there is some, like, mythology exposition that gets dropped, and, like, you're meant as a viewer to put it together. I don't know that, but it requires a lot, a lot of work, maybe yeah. too much work, and I think the idea is that, like, these woods are cursed, that there is some kind of magic in these woods. So when she comes back, it's, it is as a result of being buried in those woods, but then like in the end of the movie, like it becomes extremely metaphorical as opposed to like actual physically happening. Yeah. So it's unclear. It's very, like, you kind of have to just be like hand wave. You have to accept that if, uh, and it will, or it will make and break the movie for yeah. you, I think. 
but yeah, it's it. This is confusing. Yeah. yeah, I think I should state now that I actually really enjoyed this movie. I'm okay. gonna say some things that make it sound like I'm shitting on it, but and it's just because I do have some issues. But I, I did mean, actually really enjoy it. There are criticisms of this movie. Yeah, but I'm with you. Like there are definitely some things about this movie that I'm like, no, that didn't work. But yeah. overall, I liked it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Anywho, so we got this moment where we think it's gonna be a demon, maybe somehow that makes her be a zombie later. But we go back to present time where. A, a very Barney-esque cop has stumbled across them. Oh, bless his heart. I know. And he's gotten flat tires also from the Caltrops. And, or I guess we're assuming, I don't know. He has a flat tire. And he, this was also confusing because he's on the little radio with the woman. And later he refers to her as his partner. Except for the thing is, is it's like, usually when cops have partners, they don't separate. You know, like that's the point of partners is that they are in the, the patrol car together, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Know. Anyway, it's a minor detail. It doesn't really matter at all. It doesn't really. But he's on, you know, the radio and he says, oh, I got a flat tire. And she's like, oh, I'll just come pick you up. Pick you up. Where are you? And he says he's in Devil's Den. And then there's silence. Yeah. And then he checks back and she's like, I'll send someone. You know, like all of a sudden knowing <laughs> where he is, she's like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get someone else out there. Uh, anyway, he sees Yosef's car. He double checks on what kind of car he's looking for. He finds Alex, and Alex is just saying he went in the house. And so the cop goes into the house thinking that Yosef is in there, and he's gun drawn, and he's calling him out. He opens the closet and finds Mina, who proceeds to rip his eyeballs out. Yeah. And he, the cop gets on the radio and he says, it's not human, it's not human, and then she slits his throat. Yeah. And then finds out somehow in the scuffle her teddy bear's head got ripped off. Yep. And she's pissed. She is mad. So she runs out to look for Alex, because now she's having, and again, it wasn't like fully explained, but I think the feeling we're supposed to get is now she's mad at Alex for having turned her solitary life that was consistent and she was in control, yeah. and he's the element that is now causing people to come into her space and yeah. ruin her things, and she's going to kill him. Yeah. He's wandered off into the woods, and she finds him. They have a moment where he's screaming about Yosef and how he's going to, Yosef's going to come for him and, and everything. And, uh, she almost kills him with an ax, but decides yeah. not to. Mm-hmm. And instead she takes him to her cave, right? This is where they go yeah. next. Yeah. I want to say one thing before we go too far. I yeah, love yeah. the scene where she's like in the closet like that. There's so much tension in that scene where she's looking out the slats yeah. of the closet and he's wandering around. And the fact is, is he is kind of a Barney Fife type of like, harmless country kind of cop and so the tension is kind of like is she gonna kill this guy like he's done nothing to necessarily warrant it and, and he's so friendly when he sees her you yeah know, he opens the closet and he's like oh hey yeah are you okay i'm here to help you yeah definitely and so i mean i i, I the other thing we didn't talk about actually i'm so sorry i gotta go back no no, no it's fine the part at the very beginning when yosef gets to the house and like she attacks him through the wall and then she's chasing him through the house i actually thought that scene was legitimately creepy yeah like it was legitimate i was like oh is this gonna be a scary movie because this no, is part- really scary when she like thro- hits him with the axe through the wall or almost hits him through the wall. It's legitimately tense. No, and- the, the moment where the axe is through the wall, he's fired the gun and it's still and then it starts wiggling in yes. the wall because she's getting out. A- oh, yeah, that was a creepy moment. Was that was really for great. sure a creepy moment. Yes. Yeah. But so this is kind of the last 
hurrah of like this is like a straight up horror movie is the scene where she's in the closet and the, and he's like outside and you're like feeling genuinely tense about what is how the situation is going to uh, resolve and i also just thought like the shot itself was really great where you can see him walking around back and forth between the slats and yeah yeah all right sorry i just wanted to double back well, before i forgot to say those things about the scenes and- I did, like, I know that Mina is one of our main characters, but having that shot from her perspective, from the monster in the closet's perspective, yeah. I thought was really cool, you know? Good point. Yes. She is the monster in the closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's hiding. And yes, she does kill him when he opens the closet, but it's like, it goes back to my theory, if you don't acknowledge the monsters, they will stay You're in the totally closet. You're totally right. He would have survived if he had yeah. just bounced. If he, he had just been even like, taken, he could have even taken a kid and bounced, and it would have been fine. Mina would have been happy. Yeah, monster would not have attacked. She would have been like, "Oh, that was almost a shitty day." <laughs> Good yep. thing that worked out. Yep. Back to eating the Yosef. Yosef, gross. Yep. Anyway, so she kills him and chases alex into the woods takes him to she takes him to her cave well they can hear that right? there are dogs on oh, they're being right. chased through the woods by the police so she finds a cave for them to hide out in yeah and uh alex is crawling in and almost falls into a hole in the ground that we will learn about later and she stops him and makes him sit somewhere else mm-hmm. and then it's kind of exposition at this point where we find out that the reason why Alex Alex's eyes were burned out because she's found Yosef's lighter, yes, and she's fascinated with it, and she keeps you know putting her fingers over the flames and can't feel it. Alex has made a comment about how cold her hands are, and he's talking about how uh, Al- how Yosef didn't smoke; he just liked to burn things, right? And how it happened because you know it's very it's I, okay so. The way he structures the story, I liked because it yeah. wasn't just like information dump. It was him saying little, little details that let you put together yes. this picture where he says, like, I didn't know the rules yet. And, you know, it, it was my fault. And Yosef was just trying to teach me, you know, and it's like, man. So even though he's not saying it, you're getting this idea of, oh, Alex has been Yosef's captive for a long time. There were yeah. rules of some sort that Alex broke. Mm-hmm. And now has no eyes because of it. And he's not mad at Yosef. He loves Yosef. And he believes, oh, I deserved it because I, I didn't know the rules yet. I broke the rules. Right. Ugh. 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 It's rough. It's, yeah. I yep. remember you gave a trigger warning. For, I did. But, and I was like, oh, yes. Very. And we haven't even gotten to the full, 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 full thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, there are a lot of trigger warnings in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. At this point. The dog comes. Oh, the dog comes, and and the everything that happened before that that I thought was really good was kind of ruined by Mina growling at the dog because it just it's, it's a little awkward. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean, I get what they're trying to do by being like she's a monster, right? Yeah. And she can deter this animal by being an animal. Yeah, you know, and acting like an animal, but it just was. It didn't. It fell. It fell flat. I feel like it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I I never like that in a movie. I always think it's a goofy thing to do. But yeah, I mean, I I guess I like it better than if she had killed the dog. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I was like, oh come on, please don't kill the dog. Not the dog. <laughs> so that was the the only saving grace. But it also 
brought up this this other reoccurring kind of idea and by reoccurring i mean it only reoccurs like twice where it's implied that mina is a metaphorical wolf right because she has that yeah. drawing she did of the wolf they talk about wolves yeah then she acts like a wolf yeah but it doesn't really become anything it's not really it doesn't become like a solid enough theme you know plus i know there's the whole idea of the you know quote unquote lone wolf even though that's not really accurate because oh, wolves are pack animals that's you know but yeah, she's kind of a lone wolf, right? When yeah, they first until meet. she finds her pack, which is Alex, I guess. I guess and then yeah. she wants to become a part of a pack again in the end. Yeah, I don't I guess know. Maybe I uh, might be building I'm more into this. I'm coming around. There. This wolf theory. I'm coming around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so they spend the night, right? And Alex is like, "I'm hungry and I'm cold and I need a phone because Yosef had always said." if something happens to him to call this number and his friends will come get me, which is setting up the third thing that I don't understand about this movie and never really had explained the thing. You, okay. So, you know, me, you know, I've talked about before how there are some, some things that happen in movies that I don't need an explanation for. And I'm right. fine. Like the birds, you know, I don't need to know why the birds did that. I'm fine with ending the movie yeah. with being like, it's a mystery, but there are some things that it's like, if you're gonna mention them, I I need answers, and this was one of them. Was the phone call thing? Was the phone number? If, if and it, this is getting ahead, I think it's a lie. But why would it be his mom's number? I think he what didn't trust Mina and said like I'm gonna call this number. This is the number I'm supposed to call. But he was really calling his mom. But then why did he hang up? Because he was afraid that if you that Yosef would kill her. Oh, like he's still in, like he's still in Stockholm syndrome. Like we find that out towards much further right. at the end, like at almost the exact, like almost yeah. the entire end. Yeah, and so I think that's why. Yeah, I think he's lying to her, but then he can't bring himself to say anything to the mom because he's still in Stockholm syndrome. Okay, does that help? Yeah, okay, yeah, good. yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So Mina says she's gonna. She gets kind of fed up with him. It, this is where she falls asleep and has a dream, or has the second flashback, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, I watched this movie three times, and I mean, obviously, I mean, we had that one episode where I watched it like two hours before we did this, and I still couldn't get the events in order. <laughs> it's okay if it's not perfect, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll get basic through. ideas. Yeah. The whole thing, I mean, is so much of the, the space that they leave in between lines, yes. and it's just, you know, and that's what really what I really like about the movie. So when I synopsize it, I guess it feels like, like I'm a, rushing. There's like five events that happen in the movie. Yeah. But like so much of this movie is about these quiet moments where like the movie almost has no soundtrack. Yeah. Um, Like it is very like contemplative and slow paced. But like, you know, sometimes when a movie is contemplative and slow paced, it's boring. I never felt like I was always intrigued. There's Me too. There's enough mystery in between what's going on with Mina and what's happening with this kid and like not really having any idea where this movie is going that I never really felt the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's so much, I mean, there's not, like you said, there's only like five events. There's not a lot of dialogue, but you can see how they're both changing as yes. the story goes, just in the way they, they act, you mm -hmm. know, like it starts out where they're walking through the woods together and he's following her by sound. And by the end of it, they're holding hands, right. you know, and she's leading him through the woods mm -hmm. and, so it's it feels like I'm rushing through things, but it's like, oh, well, because so much of it is visual yeah. versus, you know, telling, which yeah. is so cool because it's, you know, some some movies just are really heavy handed with the 
we're gonna tell instead of show even though this is a movie yeah. and the, yeah. the medium is visual but you know like everyone's we here is the backstory of my character and you are my brother so i will start every sentence with brother and you know like there's yeah. none of that in this movie like it leaves a lot of you it, for you to have to figure out on your own which can yeah. make you get a little lost and that's where i think you feel the like early filmmaker in this movie because i think you wrote this as well um but I don't know. Like I, 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 there's enough there, there that I feel immersed in the story in a way that doesn't make that matter as much. Yeah. So she, they fall asleep in the cave and we get the second part of her flashback, which is the worst part. Yeah. Um, where her mom's boyfriend molests her, but it is also the moment where she bites his finger and then kills him. Well, no, she doesn't kill him. Sorry. She bites his finger and attacks him and he kills her kind of. Yeah. He hits her in the face with that snow globe that has the picture of her and her mom and her dad from a much happier time. Yeah. And he takes her out into the woods and buries her alive. Yep. But she doesn't she doesn't stay dead. Nope. Nope. She nope. Nope. Stay nope. there. No man. Anyway, she wakes up to Alex just like reaching for her because she's had a nightmare and he's trying to check on her. But she, you know, in the moment of having woken up from this dream of this horrific nightmare, you know, memory that she has, starts to choke him. And then, you know, stops, and he's amazingly okay with it. Yeah. You know, she just tried to choke him, and as soon as she stops, he's like, oh, yeah, good thing you stopped. All right. And he makes a comment about how her hands are no longer cold. Right. That's our and, first hint that something is yeah. changing. And this, I think it unnerves her. She seems angry, but I think she's kind of unnerved about it. So she's, she's like, I'm going to go find you a phone. So she leaves, and that's when she comes across the hunters, right? Yep. Yeah, so she comes across these three dudes. It's two guys and one of the guys' son. And the guy's son is that, like, you know, kind of nerdy early 20s guy who's like, I've read more about these woods than ever to anybody. There's a monster, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, she comes across them, tries to kill, or she kills one of them. Well, she, and then the second she brings Alex out for them to find. Mm. Right, right, right. And, and then. Like, Mina, Mina. And the guys find him, and they're like, we're gonna take you. Because there's, like, a huge reward for this kid. This yeah. Point. Yeah. And I can't... I'm glad... I'm somehow missing this part. Is it that she decides she doesn't want to take it? What, is, what was it that inspires her to kill them? I, I don't remember I'm what the catalyst was. i if she... I, like, I think you're supposed to think she's left him for them, but... Um, I think she was using him to distract them so that she could kill them and get the phone for him. Okay. Because she does Why? kill one dude, and then the second dude is coming at her, and she kills him, but he slashes her. Yeah. And this is the and she's got an injury now that hurts. Yeah. And it's affecting her. The kid runs off, or he's not a kid, he's a young man. Yeah. But he runs off through the woods, she's stumbling after him, he gets hit by a car. A fucking hit and run. Oh. What a yeah. dick. Yeah. And this car, you can hear the door open, and you hear someone go, shit. And then the car drives away. Yeah. And she walks up. In this moment, I know it wasn't supposed to be funny, but just kind of the way she, like, kind of walks up slowly and very gently takes the phone I out know. of his pocket and then just, like, walks away <laughs> while he's alive. That, yeah, that scene is pretty brutal, where he's just, yeah. like, doing the... <laughs> yeah. Hit and run noises. Yep. She gets the phone, brings it back to Alex. He has her dial the number. And a woman answers, and at this point we don't know that it's his mom, but he seems shocked, I guess, or I don't know. He's having some feelings about it. Yeah. And then he tells her to hang it up, 
and he lies and says that there was no service, um, which is the part that we were talking about earlier where I couldn't understand. This is why I said I was excited to talk to you about this because I have questions and I was hoping right, you would have answers right, right, right. and you did. You, you oh. came through for me. Because I just couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I watched this movie three times and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why the number that Yosef would have given him would be his mom's number, which made me go into this whole other spiral of conspiracy. Or I was right. like, well, yeah, because you're like, wait, is she like part of the human trafficking? Like, what is happening? Yeah, here? or is Yosef somehow, like, did he take Alex from someone who's bringing him back. I don't know. It was uh, it was a mess. My mind was a mess over this one. Anyway, no, so, I think it's just that thing where like abusers will say like, "If you tell, I will kill your family." Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, so like he wanted to call her, and so he like got her to get him a phone. But then when it like that fear kicked in and prevented him from saying anything, like the conditioning that Yosef had done kicked in. Yeah, yeah. Um. This is also a moment where we start to see, I mean, we've already seen signs that Mina is becoming more human, both yeah. literally and metaphorically. But, you know, this is the part, you know, where I said earlier that they start out where he's just following the sounds she's making in the woods. And then we end up with them holding hands because we get to a point where she's trying to find him a house, right? She's trying right. to find civilization to potentially leave him with people, right? Um which now that I've been talking about the lone wolf thing reminds me of all those like fables where like yeah. wolves like like the jungle book where they try to give Mowgli back to the humans yes, and he's like I totally. don't want to go and they're like but you need to be with your own people you totally, know Totally you're right this is like she's totally like bagarring it right now Yeah yeah mm -hmm. she is bagarring <laughs> <laughs> So she makes this decision where she and she doesn't communicate to that to him cuz she knows that he probably won't leave at this right. point so she's just like we're just you're blind hold my hand i'm going to work i'm going to lead you somewhere so they get to a house and they break well she breaks in she's kind of surveying the territory finds soup still you know bubbling on the stove so there's someone obviously home and then we get treated to just the worst dialogue of the entire movie and it was such a departure from everything else that it was right. almost jarring because yeah. we come across the resident of this home which is an elderly woman with a gun and we get the whole isn't it a little too early for halloween line because yeah. mina's a zombie and then we get just the the shining cherry on top of this dialogue sunday that was like i hear they have phones at the morgue yeah i didn't understand that either i i was like she's saying she's gonna kill you or that you look like you belong at the morgue yeah and it just seemed like such a weird i don't know it was just like everything else was not this cheesy and yet this is like like how many other times have we heard that those exact lines or like you know that exact sentiment in other movies that it, it would yeah. i don't know it was just weird that everything else was so Subtle. atmospheric and yeah. yeah and like we had all these exposition scenes that weren't like overly done and they gave just enough information to get the point across without being overly talky and then we get this woman who i get it they're trying to be like oh she's a tough old broad you know and but also like, it would explain why she didn't freak out at the sight of mina if she just assumes it's makeup yeah you know what i mean because if she thought it was a zombie she would have just shot her yeah so but, maybe that's why i mean i agree with your criticism but i'm just trying to understand like what the what they're thinking the writer's thinking and i think yeah. maybe that's what they're trying to explain why she wouldn't shoot her on sight if she thought she because if she thinks she's a real zombie she would right so like maybe they're trying to like it seems weird though that it not being halloween that she would jump to this is a girl in zombie makeup and not this is a girl who has some injuries 
Right. You know? But I but I also get that they're trying to make her seem tough, right? Yeah. So Oh true. That too. That as well. Like this is a tough old bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Anyway, the Alex ends up killing the old woman with the machete knife thing that Mina took from one of the hunters. Um and they have soup. And mm-hmm. Mina gets a Mina gets a dope new sweater, which A, she needed a new sweater, and B, that I saw was that. pretty awesome. I loved that sweater, actually. I could tell. <laughs> the sweater, like, I was like, that looks like a Marzi sweater for real. I know. I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. Oh, sweet sweater. <laughs> I actually, like, mm, putting that on my Amazon list. I liked it. Yeah, no, it's a good sweater. There's nothing wrong with that sweater. It just, like, you know, like, when you see something that, like, is an adult size, but a toddler can wear it, you know, that's a Rachel thing. Like, <laughs> like, a, like a, a, like, a cozy, like, sweater, like, that, that's very Marzi Something that's, like, vaguely 90s themed. But, like, like, geometric and also a little rustic, like, that yeah. is vibe. Yeah. Yeah, because it was definitely, like, some, like, raw wool, Like, you know? somebody made that sweater. Yeah. That was not, that was, yeah, that's, like, a homemade situation, which, by the way, unrelated, I'm learning to crochet and i think about you and like your crochet skills i'm like how the fuck did you teach yourself to do this this is so hard i actually started knitting a sweater after i saw that sweater in this movie did you yeah amazing so they're in the house alex is eating soup and he's actually very excited about life right now it seems like he's very psyched about the soup and mina brings up you know maybe we should try to call the number again and he kind of just like he pauses but he totally just ignores it and goes on about like is there more soup so he i mean we're getting that feeling where he's he for whatever reason whether it's the trauma or the stockholm or whatever he just wants to stay with mina yeah. and i think he's in I think he's transferred his attachment from yeah Joseph to, to mina like he just needs us that strong figure in his life that says this is where we're going this is what we're doing yeah and he doesn't it doesn't occur to him that he should have his own you know autonomy and that he's about person like his identity now is belonging to someone yeah and without yosef he's decided well i belong to mina now yeah and uh she i mean and, and again she never says this stuff but you get it through the the just the atmosphere and just her the way she's acting the way he's acting that she's very much on the okay i'm gonna keep him until i can give him back to people you know, because she says, oh, why don't we stay here? We've got food. It's warm. You know, and he seems so, so, so relieved that she wants to stay and he hugs her and she's, you know, human contact is weird for her. Yeah. But then she does go and call the number again and call the woman. And that's when we find out that it is his mom because she says, like, just give me back my son. And Mina goes out to the shed to have a moment. And this is where we get the last part of her yeah. flashback. Where she, in another super cool shot, where she busts out of the grave that her mom's yeah. boyfriend buried her in, and we get, she's, you know, I guess technically front lit, because her front is sort of, but for our perspective, she's back lit, and it's just mm-hmm. the arms, you know, those bent arms on either side of her grave, and just yeah. the hair and the dirt. Oh, it was such a cool shot. Yeah, it really was. Oh, I loved that. Um, but she goes back to the house and kills her mom. Her mom's on the phone, freaking out about where her daughter is, and saying she trusts the boyfriend, whatever, but... It's, she's not a good Did mom. Did we ever see what happened to the boyfriend? No. <sighs> okay, I wasn't Or the sure dad. Then. We don't well, know what dad, happened to the dad either. presumably the dad was dead or gone or something. See, okay, that's the feeling I got too, but I wasn't sure why. Because, I mean, other than the fact that if the mom was as awful and the dad was as good as we are feeling like he is, because, you know, she's drawn him, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, 
the mom is awful. We're seeing this picture of the three of them together where they're happy and the mom does not look like a mess. So presumably it's the dad having left that has let the mom devolve into this kind of abusive role. Yeah. And so it gives the feeling that if dad was alive, he would not have left Mina in this situation, I guess, was no. the only reason I thought that he was dead. But we don't really. I think he was. I think you get the sense that either he died or left. Because... But if he left. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think it's I, I mean, I think it's up to interpretation. But my interpretation is he died. Yeah. I also got that feeling. I just wasn't sure why. Um, um, I mean, I feel but like I'll trust it's, it. a, it's definitely a trope that you see in movies. You know what I mean? Like the morning mother becomes an alcoholic. Dates bad guys. Dates bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, Mina returns to the home, murders her mother, and uh, is drawn back into... Oh, and then this is the second time that we get that rattling demon breath sound. Yeah. And, you know further supports the at the time i was thinking well it's demon possession or it's something you know there's an evil yeah. force there's a supernatural force that has caused her to be this i don't know if it's some sort of like evil yet vengeful like like it's i i don't know my my mind spiraled over this over what yeah. it was gonna be but I it think seems this movie is not that interested in its own mythology like it's way more excited about the metaphor than it is the mythology and so it just sort of like throws some ideas at you and it's like you figure it out. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, but she's drawn back into reality when she hears Alex screaming for her. And this was another point that I'm not sure I understand. Was it that they, like, triangulated the position based off of the phone call or something? Or was it implied that Mina told the mom where they were but we didn't see it or something? Because No, um, it was the daughter of the woman in the kitchen. Oh, so you remember if you remember when Mina is first there and she's like going through the kitchen looking Yeah, and the for machine something? is playing the Yeah, she's like we're going to come by later. Oh. Yeah. Mhm. Oh, okay. Yeah, cuz she's checking on her mom and she's like I'm going to come by later to check on you guys to make sure with all this craziness going on. I did not connect these things. Yeah, does that make more sense? Yes. Good. That makes 100% <laughs> more sense because <laughs> Because I was like, how the fuck? Well, that's just two things that don't... All right, whatever, I'm along for the ride, but I did not... Okay, so what happens, evidently, is the dead old lady's daughter has shown up, found yeah. Alex, and has taken him away. Alex And Mina chases after the truck, gets into the bed of the truck, but the driver sees her, reacts, the truck rolls, Mina blacks out. When she comes to... The truck is upside down, Alex is in the truck, and he's injured, and the woman, who I thought was his mom but is not, I no. guess, uh, which now makes more sense, because right. she's she like- leave him? Yeah, <laughs> right? Okay, so the three times I watched this movie, every time she's like, my husband, and then she leaves to go check on her husband, I was like, dude, your, your kidnapped child is injured in the back of the- and you're gonna go check- yeah. Like, I'm sure you're also worried about your husband, but like- this seems misplaced somehow. <laughs> yeah. But I get it now, because that's not her kid. Yep. <laughs> All right. See? Uh, Coming to the table with answers. <laughs> You're welcome. I did not I did not understand this. <laughs> so Mina's in the cab in the upside down truck with Alex, and he's I mean, I don't fault him for saying, like, maybe I could get my eyes fixed. Because people have, you know, lofty dreams in the in the face of trauma. And, you and know, he's also a little kid. Yeah, and people say stuff that they know isn't true. You know, like, you could say, like, maybe I can get my eyes fixed because it's a nice thought. Even if, yeah. you know, rationally that will never happen. Because that, boy, your eyeballs are gone. 
You don't even yeah. have eyeballs left to fix. No. There's nothing there. And she kind of does a similar thing where she implies, like, yeah, I'll come back and I'll live with you and we can all go home together, even though, like... I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was projecting something, but it seemed obvious to me that she was lying to keep him calm. Like, yeah. she oh, yeah. never had any intention of going to live with him. No. She was just... She cares about him. Yes. And wants him to stay calm, you know, because... And, and then, you know, immediately after that, we cut... We jump through time. The ambulance has arrived. They're taking him away, and he's screaming for her because she's hidden in the woods. She's not yeah. going with him, and he knows that. He's figuring it out. He's screaming for her as they're putting him into the ambulance but she stays hidden she goes back to her home collects her belongings this is when we first start seeing that her hands are no longer all black and yeah long nailed and yeah those nails were ugh. yeah that was that was a rough rough stuff yeah so she's collecting her stuff um as she's leaving the room and taking her last look at all the all the drawings that she's done that are hanging up all those horrified faces and the crying people and you know yeah. or the crying self-portrait i'm assuming and we see that the the wounds are starting to close up on her head and she's starting to get white but the whites of her eyes have come back and they're yeah. not just you know solid black and um we get a scene where she's drawing again by a river and then the movie ends on what i like to believe is the same road it started on because it looked very similar and it yeah. would have been a nice you know bookend uh she's walking along the road and a car pulls over and asks and is you know it's a woman who says like oh you shouldn't it's not safe it's cold i can give you a ride she gets in the car and just before they pull away she turns to the camera and we see that she's human again yeah and then we get this the long shot of the car driving back down the road in the opposite direction that yosef's car drove mm -hmm. in to start the movie yep and that is the dark that is the dark. I don't know why it's called the dark. Any, I don't any either. theories of why it's called the dark? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say metaphorically because they were in dark places emotionally, mentally, mm. or maybe it was dark forces that shaped both of them into what they were. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe she felt that she was left in the dark, like, because she was abandoned, you know, presumably her father died and then her mom abandoned her emotionally and yeah and then she was literally alone for like 10 plus years because the yeah. young guy that she that gets hit by the car is like oh remember that girl who went missing when i was a kid and he was yeah. in his 20s so it was like at least 10 a years if not years. more yeah. yeah yeah so what did you think of the movie overall i really liked it i do think this is a hidden gem on mm -hmm. amazon i do i mean obviously and i i've said it i have some some qualms i have some issues i think there are some things that didn't play as well as i would have wanted them to mm. but overall i enjoyed it i was not ever bored i wasn't disappointed when it was over i i mean i really like the slower kind of at more atmospheric moody movies and this definitely was that Mm -hmm. you know and consistently all the way to the end i didn't get to the end and was like and i saw some criticisms of the end online oh yeah but what yeah people have to say about the end it mostly they're just like it you know it didn't wrap anything up it didn't leave me feeling satisfied with answer you know but i don't hmm. think it i mean i don't know i wasn't disappointed with the end mm -hmm. i i understand that 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 her transformation back into human excuse me um that there was some metaphor more than literal involved yeah. there and i know that we didn't really get i i mean i don't know i know that there are things that were left unexplained but i don't overall feel disappointed by this movie i liked it good. i enjoyed it good what about you yeah i really like this movie a lot um it was not at all i said this from the top that this was not what i was expecting at all because 
and it gets actually to one of my main criticisms of this movie is I actually think the performances are so strong. The atmosphere is so strong. The cinematography is beautiful. The, uh, the one problem with this movie is the makeup is not good. Yeah. The makeup, her makeup is not good. His eye makeup is not good. Oh, I mean, his it, eye makeup was bad. The thing is, it's like, it, it was, it'd be fine in the kind of movie I thought this was going to be, which was like kind of like a low budgety kind of monstery movie, more in the vein of like a feral child in the woods. Yeah. And it was actually a much more thoughtful, like emotional dr- drama with yeah. some core elements. And I don't think that the makeup quite meets the rest of the project. So what that ended up leading me to believe was that it was a different kind of movie. So I was really, and I think that that is actually a great way to go into this movie because I didn't, it totally subverted my expectations and actually was like a much more, it was a much more like heartfelt and poignant movie than Mm -hmm. I was expecting. Um, I've had some legitimately creepy moments early on. There were some really fun misdirects with the Yosef stuff. And, um, but then it sort of evolves into this story about, it's like a, I don't know. It's like an interesting take on a zombie movie. You know what I mean? Like every time I think we've seen all that the zombies genre could possibly give us, it was nice to see something fresh with it. And this idea of, um, the emotional scars that these kids carry inside manifesting on their, like, like on their surface. Yeah. So like all of those as bad as the makeup was like those are all all those wounds are the ones that are actually like internal ones from the the stuff that they have endured and i like the message of the movie that like no matter how wounded you are like you can actually if you find someone to share like you can actually heal with another person like yeah if you reconnect with other people there's an opportunity for healing and the power of that kind of healing is like kind of a beautiful message for a movie that's about a cannibalistic child yeah well it's kind of like no matter how dead you might think you are yeah you're not necessarily dead on the inside right there's like still there's, there's still hope yeah and I really liked that, like, these two lonely, broken souls, like, hurt and victimized by adults, like, finding kindred spirits and strength in each other. That's a story that, like, I feel like I need to hear right now, because sometimes it feels like people are so fucking lost, like, you can't come back. Yeah. And so I liked that about it. I also just, I, I it's the kind of movie that I'm happy to sort of, because of the setting and, like, sort of the moody color palette, like, I kind of, it was, it was sort of it was hot so i had all the lights off in the house it was kind of dark in the house and i was like folding laundry and watching this movie and i just kind of i i was like really enjoyed giving myself over to it mm-hmm. um this is one of my favorite movies i think that we have watched really yeah i really liked it a lot i was like thumbs up marzi you nailed it on this one I, like i love a moody movie i can't help myself i'm glad because i like i I'd, I'd seen it before i suggested it mm-hmm. but i I don't know. I don't know why it didn't occur to me to suggest it. I mean, I guess I'd only seen it maybe two or three movies that we'd done for this podcast before yeah. I suggested it. But still, that's, you know. Yeah. That's a minimum, uh, an amount of time. Um, but I'm glad I went with it now. I'm glad mm-hmm. that I tricked you into watching it. I think I was expecting it to be more like, well, there was another movie we watched that was called, like, The Dark or something. It was, like, a vampire movie. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I really liked that was movie, Was that the too. Bog Vampire movie? Yes. Yeah. It's a really, really cool, like, mythology. Yeah. That's what I remember about that. And I thought this was going to be more like that. So, yeah. Um, overall, I really liked this movie. I did forget to mention this, but I like the first time she speaks to him, how raspy her voice is, and that over time, 
Yeah. It's less raspy. And I, because I think it's supposed to imply like she hasn't spoken no, in a long time. Not in a long time. And then once she starts talking, you know, you, you hear, and I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but if it was, that was a really good, I think so. a really good directorial call. Yeah. Cause it says a lot about her story without having to, her to, without making her be like, Oh, I've been alone for 15 years. You yeah. know, like it was, it was a cool little detail. This is why, like, I really liked the movie. I'm thrilled you liked it yeah, too. Because, I liked it quite a bit. Um, that makes me feel like I've got at least out of the what is this thirty three? Is this You've episode thirty three? Good. What are you talking about? Well, this I've one got at least especially good. I've got at least two. It was this one, and they look like people. Oh, were the two that we were really that into. Movie. That was so good. See, you know, I mean, that's what I like. I sort of like melancholy horror a little bit. I mean, I also like fun stuff, but like. I love it when it's, I do love these sort of moody movies. <laughs> I mean, I love the slow, I love the witch, you know, yeah. like, yep. but I know there were people who like horror fans who weren't that impressed with it, but I love how slow and scary that movie is. I Me love too. slow and scary. Me too. The point is I like, I, I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have stopped after one cider because I'm like, yeet to dee. <laughs> um, speaking of. I like two cider, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, she's not boring. She doesn't make a lot of sense, but she's having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of boozing it up, um, what if you were going to pair a beverage with uh, the dark? Would you? Would you pick? I mean, my heart wants to say moonshine, right? Because it's a very woodland. It feels like something you could brew in the woods. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To be completely honest, I forgot to think about that. I, I forgot I, to remind you. Usually, I'm so good about reminding you. We've been doing this for. How many years? How many episodes? And I still forget every single time. But yeah, moonshine will work. I'll take moonshine. Or like maybe Kool-Aid with vodka. Whenever it's kids, I always want to just add alcohol to Kool-Aid. I don't I know, know why. I know, but these kids are too dark. I think oh, we should do is- a dry cider. <laughs> oh, you're right. Okay, I recommend... I don't know about Helmica, though. That doesn't seem no. kids in the woody. No, but maybe just a regular dry, dry a strawberry dry cider. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Strawberry's a kid's flavor. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Strawberry, strawberry dry cider. Done. But you did, you did mention, and I forgot to mention how impressed I was with the child actor performances because child <sighs> actors are so hit or miss. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes it's awful, sometimes it's great. But these two kids, I think, just nailed it. Yeah, they were so good. Mm-hmm. All right, guess what? We got some listener mail this what? week. What? Yes, this listener mail went through some went through the rings to get to us. Like apparently, uh, this comes from our buddy Ed. He has been trying to send us this, this this email for like a few weeks. Um, it was for our Seven in Heaven episode, but we we figured it out. We made it across the internet divide, and it made it to my inbox. So oh. I wanted to share it with you. Good. Um, That's good. Yeah. Right. Better late than never, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this comes from our buddy, Ed. Uh, okay. Greetings, my favorite stream queens. Aw. Happy New Year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, so this month we are looking at Seven in Heaven, a Mars chosen film about a couple of teens who are transported to an alternate universe where everyone acts on his or her darkest thoughts. Uh, they have to figure out how to get back before the residents of the universe kill them. I guess that's a quick synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> what did I like about this film? The teens look like actual teens. You know what? Actually, I, I remember now. I read through this really quickly. And, like, he actually, it's funny. It's like he was on the podcast with us. 
your his, his a lot of his thoughts mirror exactly the stuff we talked about. Oh, nice. Because I was gonna say like. I, I was also impressed with that movie that the teens actually looked like teens. Right? <laughs> it's like one of the things I remember most about that movie. It's funny, like, as I was looking through this, I was like, oh yeah, I've already forgotten so much. <laughs> no, it's terrible to say. Oh well. Uh, the teens look like actual teens, not disproportionately overly beautiful 30-somethings. This is not to say that they're not over their teen years. Travis Hope was 27 at the time of shooting. Haley Rom was 26, and Dylan Everett Kent was 23. Still, the overall effect of their young looks and the fact that they were even younger actors at the party makes it seem more believable that they are a group of high schoolers. I'm always taken out of horror films when the actors they're playing are way too young for their looks uh, or the cast is made up of the prettiest people that could be found. Yeah, that or said, like when, uh, whenever they have like the teen guys take off their shirts and it's like a perfectly ripped six pack and it's like, right. come on, man. Right, like, the, like, I mean, I went to high school. Like, it you don't was even not like that. <laughs> you don't even own the hormones to create those. You can't, right? There's always one dude though that, like, somehow he's also the dude with a mustache in seventh grade, but like, who does manage to have the six pack abs, and he's like the anomaly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's also the one who is like getting all the beer for the party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That said, they did fall into the trope of the smart kid who's not popular having a stunningly beautiful girlfriend in Clark. Yeah, in Clark yeah. Bacco. Yeah, that, that's accurate. The fact that the film addresses the darker thoughts we have as teens but don't act on was good. While not all of us uh, restrain ourselves from our dark thoughts during high school, some certainly act out, uh, but most just want to suck it up and get past the fear of acting. I mean, who didn't want to suffocate their sister? <laughs> Ed. I feel like I learned something about Ed today. Um, <laughs> I thought the Kent character was well-rounded, confident choice. Yes, there were assholes in high schools, but there are also kids that stand up to their peers. He was a good addition to the characters in the film. Now, I think this Kent, I think, is the friend that we were like, oh, my God, it's Corey, uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Writer-director Chris uh, Eggman acted in Red Dwarf USA, the American movie based on the British television show. I did not know that existed, and I will now spend some time trying to find it. I'm a big Red Dwarf fan. All right, Ed. This is from me to you, a fellow Red Dwarf fan. Do not do this. Do oh, not no. do this to yourself. It will only it will only make you sad. Oh. Because whew, it is rough stuff. I like this film. Uh, I like that this film was based off the incredible awkward game Seven Minutes in Heaven, which, according to Wikipedia, has been recorded as a game since 1953. Damn, I could see that. You know, because yeah. it's like, you know, sexuality was a little bit stricter then, so I could see them right. being like, "But if we make a closet game out of it, <laughs> totally." You're so right. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, it's just a game. It's definitely not just making out for no reason." Right. And you said you'd never played Seven Minutes in Heaven. No, I my friends and I just kind of drove around old abandoned neighborhoods and dug holes and stuff. We didn't <laughs> we didn't play games like that. We're gonna have to revisit this digging holes and things. I feel like this is a re reoccurring thing. Yeah, you have an obsession with digging holes. Yeah, and I said we used to dig holes like it was me and my friends, but it was just me. <laughs> amazing <laughs> i just like digging holes i don't know all right you do you boo do you? <laughs> uh okay 
<clears throat> so it built on Spin the Bottle, which was a cart recorded as far back as 1922. Whoa, that's actually a little surprising. Yeah. Oh, uh oh, here we go. I myself played this back in the late 70s and have fond memories of feeling boobies. Strictly <laughs> consensual. <laughs> Okay, so what he did not like about the film. Stereotype Billy, uh, bully character Derek. Ugh. I wish there was a way to avoid this, but it seems there isn't. You want an antagonist, and it is always the same thing in movies about teens. Not that bullies don't exist, but they are always so one-dimensional. At least at the start, you could argue that after Jude and June vanish, uh, his character changes. But I think it could just be that his interactions are mainly with Kent, who is competent and confident. So Derek just, uh, so Derek just seems as an equal. Uh, that's interesting that's an interesting point i mean it's true like yeah that he was of the the kids he was the least compelling character that's yeah also true and that's always kind of yeah it is he, he was weirdly cookie cutter in a movie that was so surrealistic yeah yeah and full of like actually decent teen characters yeah um, exposition heavy mr wallace it was like they wrote the film without the character and then someone read the script and was like i don't understand what's going on so they (laughs) (laughs) so they went back and added him to explain the world i don't get though what is his dark thought why is he helping is it because he's the guidance counselor his nature no matter how dark it gets is to get jude through high school alive and he said that early in the film question mark yeah i don't know he was a i mean the problem is okay I think the character, I agree that the character makes no sense, but I like Gary Cole a lot, so like, I'm, I always enjoy him on screen, but like, as a character, I agree, not, not the strongest. Yeah, the only way it can really like, settle with me is if I just pretend like I believe he's just some sort of trans-dimensional being who right. has no purpose other than existing. Right? Yeah. I think I called him like the dungeon master when we watched Yeah. <laughs> Okay, dark thoughts and urges as a universe they went uh, went into does not explain the basement theater scene. Is hurting people the only dark thoughts people have? Seems like it according to the film. That part does not really make a lot of sense to me. Can't your dark thought be kicking the little dog that's always barking at you? No. Uh, or keying the car of the neighbor who parks in front of your house even though he knows you like to park there? Oh my god. It's like he's living my life. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the other day was like walking someone had parked in my spot and I was like, I'm gonna fucking keep that car. <laughs> <laughs> then on top of that, why does it turn into a game of truth or death? Hmm. Yeah, I I agree. Like that whole theater scene I didn't understand. Yeah. Like I don't I mean it just it seemed like I think I think we talked about it. I liked this particular point on the sh- on the show on the episode uh-huh. about how it just seemed like something that someone fell in love with and then couldn't let go when it didn't work anymore. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how it felt. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Overall thoughts? Okay, won't watch that again. Uh, have a great month wim- of women in horror. Yeah, buddy. That's right. Did you know that Mars? It's Women in Horror Month. I did only because you told me though. <laughs> <laughs> Then he has a suggestion for us. How about hitting some of the movies that made the festival circuit last year? VFW, Bliss, The Color Out of Space, etc. The festival movies from last year are are starting to show up on services uh, uh, in the beginning of of the year. Peace, Eddie. Yes, I'd write to Mars too, but she does not have a public email as far as I know. No slight intended. I do not have a public email. No. I mean, we can get you one if you want one. Uh, They can reach me through you. 
Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. If that changes, let me know. All right. Um, so, yeah, the great suggestion, they are starting to hit some of the services. Like, I know Bliss is on Shutter, and I've seen Colorado Space, which I really liked. And Mars, have you seen Colorado Space yet? No, but you told me once that you thought I'd really like it. I think you would. It's fucking bonkers, man. It is nuts. But I think there's enough there that you'd be into. Plus, it's like Nick Cage just Nick Caging the shit out of it. So it's <laughs> sold, right? These very may very well end up on our list. Mars has to get Shutter again, so we might end up covering Bliss. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> awesome! What a great letter. Thank you so much, Eddie. Yeah, thank you. Yes, definitely. And for those of you at home, if you're listening and you want to weigh in on the movie we watched this week, or suggestions for future movies or whatever the case may be you can always send us an email at rachel at zombiegirls.com we'd love to hear from you um so i guess that just leaves us picking what we're gonna watch for the next movie i'm gonna do another blind pick are you cool with that so it could be a dumpster fire could be good no i like i like taking the chance okay so i picked a little movie called saint agatha have you seen this Mm -mm, no okay let me find the is it Netflix? It is Netflix. Definitely. Okay, so this movie, according to the, the Netflix uh, description, is an unwed and, pregnant, unwed and pregnant. A young woman flees her abusive home in 1950s Georgia and takes refuge at a mysterious convent with a terrible secret. Ooh. Okay. Spooky nun time! Are you into some spooky nuns? Yeah. I haven't seen the nun. Me neither. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, nuns are creepy, right? I mean, they're also awesome. Like, like when you get, like, cool progressive nuns that are, like, nuns on a bus, they're awesome. But, like, nuns in a convent, like, mm, scary stuff. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it circles back to what we said earlier. No matter when you were born, people were weird. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think about co- convents where I'm like, you know, how how could you choose that kind of life? And I'm like, well, it was a bunch of ladies hanging out together. They probably had some weird pillow fight nights, you know, or like some weird, like, we're just going to play weird games because it was just like a religious sorority house, I feel. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right. I mean, I don't know. Some nuns were pretty sweet. I don't know. Yeah, my I have an aunt that was a nun. Really? Yeah, she like met when she met my uncle, my uncle Ron, she she left the convent. Wow. Yeah. Live. She found my handsome ginger uncle and was like, "Peace, God." I'm on my third. Truly, I feel like I'm not holding it together right now. <laughs> You're fine. I know. I I, should... I just like sort of tangentially talked about like, oh, nuns probably had some wild times. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, get ready for the next episode. Watch Saint Agatha. Marzi, take us out. Thanks, as always, for coming back and for bearing with us, because we were both a little bit drinking during this one. Let's get naked! It's Friday. (laughs) We're allowed. All bell peppers are the same pepper. No! Good night, folks! (laughs) Bye, everybody. This is a segue, but I feel I have to mention it because uh-huh. uh, you brought up ball sacks. Um, As I so- do. <laughs>